Today's reading is from Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 8. So that's Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. We're going through the book of Proverbs. Well, not the whole book of Proverbs, but Proverbs chapter 3. And what we're really doing in Proverbs chapter 3 is we're thinking about what is the plumbing underneath our lives? What, what, what's going on underneath our lives that, that actually affects everything I think, do, my logic, my emotions, how I relate to people, the words that come out of my mouth. What's, what's the plumbing underneath that is working in my life? And uh, Matt very helpfully sort of reminded us last week, and I'm really appreciative of him leading us out in this, that really Proverbs is all about learning to live life in a trajectory into eternity. That's really what it's all about. You know, how does that work out day to day? You know, not just the big days, but the normal, the boring, and even the absolutely awful days. How does, how does it work out that I can live each day, in the big and in the small, with a trajectory facing into eternity? Or, another way of putting it, and again, I think Matt did this very helpfully last week, is, is how do I do it on tomorrow morning? When I get into office and I've got this sort of mountain of stuff I've got to do, or I'm facing this week maybe an essay I've got to get in, or if you're a young parent and you uh, wake up in the morning and you haven't had any sleep and you've got two little ones running around, how in the world do I deal with that? And really what Proverbs 3 is telling us is, look, this is what you need to live in God's world, God's way. That's really what we're looking at in Proverbs chapter 3. And if you have a Bible or some kind of electronic uh, device, you may want to open there. Because we're just going to be camping there in Proverbs chapter 3, really verses 5 to 8. And what we're going to be trying to do today is simply this. How do I make sense of my life? How do I make sense of my life? If I just think back this past week in my own life, I'm sure I'm... Not unlike a lot of you, I've just been deeply affected by what's happened in Ukraine. And, you know, Ukraine has shattered the naivety of our generation that things were beyond these things. It's just slammed us in the face that this is still a real world where there's real evil. President Putin, I don't think he's necessarily mad, I think he's evil. And there's such a reality. And wrestling with that, and to me, the horror of thinking about what's going on to those four folk. Another occasion this week, sitting down with a dear friend of mine who's going through Parkinson. And as he lives that out in his life and how it affects him, thinking through, what does that mean for him? And another dear friend whose life is shattered, but they're courageously taking some steps that are totally against everything else they've done and yet will lead them to be able to put their life back together. 
Now the question each of us lands in a different place in, in those uh, sort of areas as to what our lives hold. But the point is this, how do I make sense of my life? How do I make sense of my world when I wake up in the morning? And one of the things is that, that we discover as we come into this chapter, but it's true of all of what we call wisdom literature in the Bible, is that what it does is it tells us how to work out a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, a trust and confidence in God and His wisdom, how to work that out in the good, bad, and the absolutely ugly of life. That's really what Proverbs is all about. How do I work it out? Uh, the Bible has a, a section of books that is called wisdom literature. There's five books that make that up in the Old Testament. The book of Job, the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Song of Psalms. And each of them looks at life from a different angle. That's really what they do. And one of the things that they, they teaches us is this. There's a vast difference between intelligence and wisdom. <laughs> We often think they're the same. They're not. There's a vast difference between the two. In intelligence is knowing the facts. And let's be honest, our generation obsesses about that, doesn't it? You know, you go on your Twitter and uh, the internet, and we love to chase down the facts. We love to do Bible quizzes or pub quizzes. We love to do that, to have all, of, all the facts. We think that, look, if I get enough degrees and I learn enough facts, I'll be able to cope with anything. The facts are really important, but they'll never enable you to live life. Wisdom is the skill of how to use the facts in my life. That's what wisdom is. Intelligence is the facts. Wisdom is the skill of how do I use that in my particular situation, my particular personality, with the people I'm facing, the challenges and the struggles that I'm facing. And one man put it this way, Simper Longman, he said this, he puts it this way, wisdom involves the ability to avoid the problems of life and to get out of the problems when they arise. Wisdom includes the ability that says that they know that this is the right thing I need to be focusing on at the right time and to feel and express the right emotions at the right level. That's really what wisdom is. How do, how do I work it out? in my own particular situation. Now, let's be honest, and I, I need to sort of give this as a disclaimer uh, here, and as we're going through this chapter, is wisdom is not magic, okay? It's, it's not, look, if you get the right little type of uh, sort of technique or the right little uh, plan, that suddenly your life will be hassle-free and you won't have any problem. That's not wisdom. Wisdom recognizes that there is... A way that you can have a skill to live life, but this life is utterly broken. And there is evil. Uh, one of the verses that helps me, I go back to very often in my life, is in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes really focuses on how do you think about wisdom in terms of a broken world that doesn't work. That's really what Ecclesiastes uh, reminds us and teaches us about. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 15, it has a verse I often go back to in my life. There are some curves that will never be straightened and some holes that will never be filled. You just have to be honest about that. You cannot fix everything in this life. But by God's grace, we can make incredible strides as we listen to Him.
Well, let's dig into this then, and uh, let's just figure out from this passage, you know, that we can, we can figure out the right orbit of our lives. And uh, very simply, what I mean by that is simply this. The Bible says and teaches us, God is the Son and everything else orbits around Him. Okay? That's the right orbit. We're tempted to think that we are the Son and everything orbits around us. But the Bible wants to say, no way. God is the Son. Everything orbits around Him. And these verses we have in chapter 3, verses 5 to 8, they teach us two things. How to navigate life and how to negotiate life. So if you have a Bible open there, we'll work those through. Let me just read verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Now, the setting of this is it's in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. And if you get a chance, you can go back and read them yourselves, the first nine chapters. And they're put in the sort of sense of a father instructing his son, perhaps King Solomon instructing one of his sons, one day to be king. And it's a father sitting down with their son and saying, look, you've got a long life ahead of you. Maybe you've got... Three, four, five, six, seven, eight decades ahead of you. And as you think about that, before you launch out, let's think about the plumbing you need underneath your thinking. What sort of directs you and guides you underneath that? And I think navigating life in this sense, that it's really about how do I set a course in my life to eternity? How do I do that? How do I work out... A focus that one day I know I will stand before the face of God. How do I work that out today? How do I work that out in my home? How do I work that out in the workplace or the education place or wherever I'm at? What does it mean in the little details? And these verses, they sort of give us some of the plumbing to work that out. And notice the first thing they do in verse 5. It says, look, you need to lean or to learn to lean in the right direction. You need to learn to lean in the right direction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Notice with me the presumption in that verse. Everyone leans on something. Everyone leans on something. So the question is not am I leaning, but the point is what am I leaning on? That's really uh, the point of verse 5. And notice here that the presumption is that most people, naturally, they would rather lean on their own understanding rather than God's. Now I'm talking about just working, navigating a normal day. That's, that's the presumption here. Uh, Tim Keller, I think, says really helpfully, he says, our culture tells us to submit everything to our understanding, to everything including the Bible. So, so he's saying, you know, what we're taught in school, some of us are in education, you know this, is what you teach your children. The children is that, you know, all they need to do is to think through what they need to do because they're right. And, and the presumption in the world around us is that, that we often think, look, our understanding, our logic, our reason, our, our, our emotions, our reactions, they are fundamentally correct. The Bible... It's just incredibly straight at this point. As one of the prophets says this, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked and beyond all knowing. The, the person who leans on their own understanding 
will inevitably be led astray. Friend, I think President Putin is a, sadly a tragic ultimate example of that. He's doing exactly what his own understanding thinks is right. That's what he's doing. And all you have to do is sound talk with him and he'll tell you absolutely why he's correct in his actions, whatever the cost. The writer of Proverbs just reminds us that though that's a horrible final lay-by down a road to do it in that way, it's actually something we're all tempted to do in a much lesser way. And really what it's saying here in this verse is, look, the fundamental question you and I need to wrestle with every morning when we wake up and our feet hit the ground is simply this. Who has the final word in our day today? Who has the final say in my decisions, my actions? And here, the, the writer is saying, well... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The, the word trust, it, it evidently has a connotation of somebody who is face down in the ground with their hand reaching up for help. That's the sense of the word trust. It says, look, I, I desperately need you to help me to figure this out, to work this through, that I might go the right way. And it reminds us really what you might call the irony of wisdom. Look at chapter 12, verse 15, if you have your Bible. Just scoot, uh, scoot over there. It, it's, a, it's a really helpful verse. And uh, it, it picks this thought up. It says this, The way of the fools seems right to them. But the wise listen to advice. Okay? The way of the fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Now, that's really fascinating, because what that's doing is that's picking up the mantra you'll find if you ever read through the book of Judges. I don't know if you ever read through the book of Judges. It's got some horrible stories in it. You may ask yourself when you're reading through the book of Judges, how in the world did they ever make such bad choices? Well, the answer is the last verse of the book of Judges. Repeat it twice. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's the answer. They, they went by their own reason, their own logic, their own emotions, their own understanding, their own plan. Everyone just simply went their own way. And Judges is the book that it created. And here in chapter 12, verse 15, it, it teaches us that the irony of wisdom is this. Who is a wise man? It's a person who doesn't trust himself. <laughs> Isn't that not really? The wise man and the wise woman is a person who doesn't trust themselves. A person who doesn't think that their own logic and understanding, their, their own ability and wisdom, and even all that they've learned in their degree, never assumes that that is the final word. They never trust themselves. But they always want to filter it first through God's wisdom. And that's what it's saying. Lean not on your own, trust in the Lord, and lean not on your own understanding. One old state put it this way. He said this, Why in the world would anyone depend and trust upon their thimble full of wisdom over against God's unlimited ocean of wisdom? Why would anyone do that? Why would you ever think that you understand all the issues and facts and reality so much more comprehensively. I don't care how many studies have come out. I don't care how loud people are around you and saying this is absolutely right and actually what the Bible says is wrong. What kind of a person would actually think that they are so clever and wise beyond God that their judgment's better? 
Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And when you do that, verse 6, He, in all your ways, I'm sorry, did, in all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. So He'll teach you how to live a straight, or to live a straight life. Now, We've got to put some disclaimers here so we don't want to go uh, too far in this and we have to sort of put a little bit of uh, understanding in this. Uh, this is not saying something like this. You know, trust in the Lord. You know, just really believe in God and everything's going to work out for your life. You'll have a hassle-free life and don't worry about it. Just trust in the Lord. Well, it's, it's not saying that because notice there in verse 6, it says that the act of trusting in the Lord means I'm submitting to Him. So we have here this same pattern that Matt told us about last week. Uh, going through chapter 3, the odd verses tell you a command, and the even verses tell you the promise of the result will be when you follow that command. That goes all the way through chapter 3, as we're going to see here. And so it says, look, you know, if you trust in the Lord, what are you doing? Well, you're actively saying, Lord, I, I, I want to acknowledge you have the... Final right and authority in every little detail of my life. That's what I want to do. I want to submit to you. So I want to submit to you to the words that I say. I want to submit to you the reactions I have in my life. I want to submit to you to the logic I use in my thinking. I want to submit to you to the reason I depend upon. I want to submit all of that to you and to ask you that you might guide and direct me. Because I need desperately your help in my life. You see what he's doing? He's saying, look, you want to move beyond God being the rescue service in your life when things go wrong or the benefactor to make your life better. You want to move beyond that. You want to move to the point where actually you say, look, I want you to help me to work through the details of my life. The decisions I make. The job prospects I'm thinking about. The plans I have for my life. I want you to help me to think those through. To filter them through your wisdom. Charles Bridges, again, a great old saint. He, he, he says in this verse, and I think it's helpful. He says, many would prefer a lack of principle rather than a lack of talent. Or I could add, lack of money or success or pleasure, achievement, and degree. That's, that's the battlefield, isn't it? You know, what, what happens when I come to something and, look, you know, I'm, I'm reading through God's Word and I'm thinking, well, that doesn't sound quite like what I ought to do. But, you know what, it means a great job. And that's the ground. How do I work that through at that point? But notice that when we do listen to this, it says in verse 6, He will make your path straight. Now that's a fascinating little verse. I don't think it means that he's going to sort of suddenly make your life all work out according to your plan. I don't think that's what it means. But I think what it means is that in the nitty gritty of your life, it's just twisting and turning and going all over the place as you have, you're feeling great one day and feeling rotten the next, as you have good times and bad times, successes and failures, and all those things, that when you keep submitting your life to God, that He will make your path a path that is straight on the trajectory of eternity as you keep turning to Him, whatever your circumstances are. 
Think of it like this. Imagine you want to renovate your, your downstairs and you've decided that what you really want is some beautifully polished wood. You want a beautiful wooden floor. And so you go to somebody in a contract and you say, can you do that for me? And they say, sure. And the next thing you see is they bring in this load of gnarled old wood. And you look at that and say, wait a minute, didn't you hear what I said? I want a beautiful floor. What are you doing? And they say, look, trust me. And so they pull out the gnarled wood, and you see them put it up there on the uh, sort of workbench, and they do what to you looks like incredible violence. I mean, they take a rip saw to this piece of wood, and then the table saw, and then they sit there and they begin shaving it off horrendously with this planer. And then when they've done that, they begin with coarse sandpaper, then medium sandpaper, then fine sandpaper, and by the end you sit there and say, you've done incredible violence to that piece of wood. Why did you do that? And the answer is, he says to you, look at it. Do you see the beautiful inner beauty you never saw on the outside? Now you see it. Friend, I think that's what God does with us. He takes our lives that can sometimes be confused, gnarled, that can be wrecks. And on one level it almost looks like he does violent to us. He begins to chop off bits and he begins to plane other bits. And then we have the painful reality of him sanding us. And we think, Lord, what are you doing? And what he says is I'm doing is I'm making your life straight. Because I know the true inner beauty. And I'm bringing out that beauty that all the world may be amazed. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. And then He goes on to negotiating life. And by negotiating life what I mean is this. How in the world do I get through the twists and turns of my life? How do I get through the successes and failures of my life? The pressures and the boredoms of my life. How do I get through them? Because those are what I face day and day. How do I negotiate that? Well, we read in verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, really what I think it's doing here is it's, it's, it's changing the camera angle of how we look at our lives. It's sort of like a, a, over where I live in Fairwater, they, they throw up a new estate about every 10 days. Well, maybe not quite that quickly. But it seems like it, you know. And they dig these trenches and they put in the pipe and they put in the lecker, you know, and then they build the houses, you know, and they just pop up all over the place like mushrooms. And, um, you know, how do I get the right plumbing in for what I build on top? Well, here I think the wisdom is very much in line with what our Lord Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And you'll remember that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, He said this, The treasures you live for, the light you walk by in your life, and the master you serve will make your life. If you want to ask about what is, it, what is my life all about, then ask yourself this, what are my treasures? What is the light? The understanding that I use to make my choices. And what is the master I live for? And when you answer that, you'll understand what your life really is all about. And in one sense, that's here what these, these verses are saying as well. They're saying, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So it's saying you need to get that in the proper perspective. And the first thing it tells us is, look, wisdom that works. Okay, 
Notice there in uh, verse 7 that it says, look, you're in one of two places. I think it's fascinating. You know, the, the, the Bible deals in black and white, especially in Proverbs. I'm not saying there aren't a lot of other issues to put around it, but it's really helpful that it just deals in realities. And it says either you're depending upon your own wisdom or you're fearing the Lord. That's a contrast it puts there. You're doing you're in one camp or the other as I'm walking through my day. And, uh, you know, the, the fear of the Lord, it's, uh, it, we, we've already seen it. Uh, it. It talks to us about uh, when I rely upon myself, I think I'm right in my own eyes. And as I live by that, my own logic, my own reason, all that I think is right, that, that what happens is I'm just depending on myself. Over against what it says there about the, uh, the reality of what it means to fear the Lord. That means to be in a relationship where I acknowledge, look, you're God, I'm not. And, and I want to have the joy of bowing before you. Teach me how I should live. You know, friends, we have to be honest to just recognize that in part... Our hearts are not trustworthy. I think that's maturity when you begin to learn that. To some degree, Psalm chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 is true of every one of us. Some degree. And listen to what it says in Psalm 2, speaking of the kings of the earth. It says, The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against the anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. And the Lord scoffs at them. Now, the breaking of chains and throwing off their shackles, basically what they're saying is something like this. I don't want to have God's rules binding my life. I think I can figure out the wisdom of how to live my life far more cleverly than God has said in His Word. And to be honest, I look at some of these things in His Word, and I just don't want to do that. I really disagree with them. So I want to break them. I want to throw them off. And to some degree, that infects all our hearts, to lesser or greater degree. The writer says, look, if we want a trajectory into eternity, what we need to learn is to be honest about ourselves. Lord, you bless me in so many incredible ways that I cannot even begin to answer all of them. But nevertheless, I need your help fundamentally. And then notice in verse 8, and it's remarkable that when you do that, how wisdom flourishes in your life. When you live a life like that, it's a remarkable verse when it says this, it will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. It's saying, look, if you live a godly life that's focused on God, if you seek to live in God's world, God's way, it has huge paybacks. Huge paybacks. And what this verse is saying is this. Now this is, I need to put some caveats around it in the end, but let me just put it out very plainly. What it's saying is this. If you walk in the fear of the Lord in your life, you will have better physical well-being and mental well-being than those who don't. That's really what it's saying. And I'm taking, uh, it'll, be, it'll give you, it'll bring health to your body, nourishment to your bone. I'm, the mental health I'm picking up there, how the Bible often talks about how we think and our attitudes affect our bones. So it'll talk about our bones ache when we're, in, uh, we're not confessing sin. It'll talk about our bones crumbling. And so really what it's talking about here is that you will have a better mental health when you walk with the Lord. In that sense. Now, let me put some caveats around it real quickly. Uh, 
It's not saying that uh, uh, you know you can never think wisely or clearly. It's not saying that uh, any of this ch- chapter. But what it's saying is that our limit, our thinking is always limited, and we need to be honest about that. It's not saying that we'll have perfect health, but as we walk in obedience the way God wants us to walk, we will find that will affect our health in a way that generally it will keep us from falling into a lot of tap traps that, hit, that destroy people's health. One example, alcohol. When it says, you know, you drink alcohol in moderation, do not let yourself be overwhelmed by alcohol. And how many people face massive health issues because of abuse of alcohol or drugs. And the Bible deals with that. The other one is his mental health. And again, I'm not saying this says you're going to have perfect mental health, but when you walk with the Lord, it teaches you contentment. And every study that has been done, and you can go look it up online, every study that's been done has said that those who have a strong faith tend to be happier and more content than those who don't. And that's just reality. That's a, you know, Surveys have shown that time and again. And what it's saying is here, look, when you recognize... That this is God's world, and you begin living in line with God's way in the world, you will experience the good consequences of exactly what that means in your life, and in my life. And you'll begin to recognize that, look, I'm walking in a trajectory to eternity as I walk with Him. So, these verses tell us about how to navigate life, And how to negotiate life in a trajectory to eternity. And if I just bring that home, let let me just say, look, if you're here this morning, you haven't put your trust in the Lord Jesus. And you're thinking that through, you know, that that Jesus, you know, he went to the cross to die for your sins. And if you put your trust in him, that he covers you with that forgiveness that he bought upon the cross. That really what these verses are saying to you is, look, there's only two ways to live in this life. One is, as it says in some places within Scripture, it says that uh, the path of the righteous, what it says in chapter 12, verse 3, it says that the path of the righteous is just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. It's saying, look, you can live one of two ways. You can live in a way that's going up or a way that's going down. Another verse in the book of Proverbs says that the way of the sinner is heart. And look, if you live against God's way, the reality is you will increasingly be cutting yourself. You will find your life is very hard. What I want to offer you today is that God wants to change that. Come to Him. Repent. Trust. Your Your life is hard. You know what? I appreciate that. But God can come into your life and deal with you. And He can change that life around. Come to Him today. If you're young in the faith, I think the the real answer here in Proverbs is simply this. Read the Bible. (laughs) And then when you read the Bible, read the Bible. (laughs) And then when you're done with that, read the Bible. Now why? Because how else are you ever going to understand God's ways if you don't read the Bible? You know, there's great books out there right now, and I want to encourage you to read them. But let me say this. Every good book is no substitute for the Bible. And you know what? You say, well, it's hard to read the Bible. I have time. Okay, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to find time to eat because you're so pressured. But if you want to live in God's world, God's way, you need to read the Bible. 
And that's the fundamental thing I'd say to anyone who's just new in the faith. For those of us who are a little bit older in the faith, if you're a bit like me, then uh, can I say this? That sometimes we slip in our clarity. We depend more upon our techniques than the Lord. And we can rest a little bit on you know, what's happened in the past rather than seeing, you know, every day I need the Lord in my life. Every day I, I need to just recognize I'm face down with my hand up, Lord, help me. And that doesn't end. One day He'll take us into His presence. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let's bow together in prayer. Most gracious Lord, as we come and we look at Your Word, and we see here some very fundamental realities about the plumbing of how we think, how we react, how we emote, how we speak in our words to one another. We want to ask that it may be your great kindness and pleasure to to so work in our hearts through your word. And even as we look here in Proverbs chapter uh, 3, that you might show us another way. And that we might just begin to experience the sheer overwhelming joy and wonder of you working in our hearts and lives. And And if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, we ask that you might help them to see the wonder of what it means to fear the Lord, to walk with you, to know you, to to know you're beside us in our day-to-day living, and that they might come and put their trust in you. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.